evil reigns, only one team can weather the storm. We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is the Avengers. Welcome to the Spy-Fi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And welcome back to our Swinging 60s Spy Summer. All this summer, we'll be breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional spy movies and TV shows made or set during the golden age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascot because it's time to get groovy. I would say at this point, this is the usual formula. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know how many weeks this is actually now how many weeks we are in but yeah it's it, it it'll be interesting to uh cover things that are not set during the 60s although we're not clear about when this movie is really set that's true that's true so we're covering the avengers which is not the joss whedon production of the marvel cinematic universe no this is the 1998 adaptation of the tv show which we covered last week uh, That's correct. Yes, featuring Rafe Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Are you sure it's Rafe Fiennes? I thought it was Ralph Fiennes. No, it's Rafe. It's it's spelled Ralph, but it is pronounced Rafe. Trust That's me. That's so ridiculous. And for once, he's not playing a Nazi. Yeah. No. Two things. One, this is like his third spy franchise. Okay. Because he's on. in this. He's in Bond, in like mm-hmm. the Daniel Craig's, and he will be in the upcoming Kingsman prequel. Well, he certainly looks like a British secret agent, especially yeah. in this one. <laughs> but also, I, I just couldn't help noticing how many different uh, different Harry Potter alumni there were in here. So obviously, Rafe Fiennes is Voldemort. You mm-hmm. had Jim Broadbent, who also plays uh, Slughorn. Uh, Fiona Shaw, who was father in this, played uh, Mrs. Dursley. Yeah, I knew her name was familiar. Yeah. And I should say before we continue is that this movie has a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Wow, that is... So had you seen this before? Absolutely not. I tried to, and I, on brand, I fell asleep. when when, If it was a terrible movie and I probably was trying to watch it late at night, I fell asleep. I believe it, and it is a terrible movie, so I can't wait to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, right. I was wondering if there was any cameos from the old series, and there was one. Okay. Patrick McNee, who played... uh, John Steed in the original show was actually the voice of Agent Jones. Okay, you're going to have to point out that part when it appears. I do not remember an Agent Jones. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so this was made in what, 1998? So this is already thinking in terms of James Bond. This is after GoldenEye and after Tomorrow Never Dies, I believe. In terms of where Uma Thurman was, this is after Batman and Robin. Okay. What about the Kill Bills? Before that. Okay. The plot synopsis going to IMDb is two British agents team up to stop Sir August de Winter from destroying the world with a weather-changing machine. Okay. And do you know other spy movies with weather-changing machines? I ask because I know it's a cliche that has appeared a million times, but I can't actually think of any examples. Changing machines. I can't think of any. I don't know that it's a cliche. I think it's just a terrible idea. Well, maybe they also do it in superhero movies, too. That's what I would say, yes. Like, there was a really bad TV movie ver- or TV version of the Justice League, like, live action with mm-hmm. the weather-, weather wizard who had a weather-changing machine. Okay. 
And I was absolutely getting a Lex Luthor, like Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor vibe from your buddy, Sean Connery, yeah. our buddy, Sean the Connery. Late, great Sean Connery. Yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. I can definitely see that. Maybe if people know an example of a weather changing machine as a plot device other than this movie, they can yeah, write it and tell it, us. Send it to us on social media if you can think of another one. Like <laughs> The only other one I can think of is not a spy movie, but it is... A Disney Channel original movie, I think it was called The Ultimate Christmas Gift, where Santa, for some reason, has a weather-changing machine. Well, that makes total sense. He needs it to still on Christmas, or else yeah. it's not Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get into the movie, appropriate with the weather. This starts with like a lot of storm clouds over the credits. Storm clouds are gathering. It's like a metaphor, <laughs> get it? Uh, and also there's some like Bond-esque, like, title credits but not not quite like you know naked women in silhouette but just like a lot of silhouettes mm -hmm. and i'm trying to remember did this use the actual, i think this is like one of the few moments that you use like the avengers theme music yeah so it's once here and then once at the end i have yeah. them noted the, the music is just like that one kind of ba -ba -ba -ba. that's the what nice, i recognize the cool like a uh, fanfare right yeah focusing on john steed who's just walking around uh this little english village he is looking at his watch, and as he's looking at his watch, he dodges a, a falling flower pot. He picks up a flower from the flower pot. It happens to be a, a white carnation. He puts it in his lapel. And then he starts getting into fights with, first of all, the constable, then the milkman, and then a woman with a baby carriage. It was some, great. Some mechanics. What? Some nuns come up, and I definitely thought he was going to fight some nuns. He fought everyone except for them. So yeah. obviously it's like a training. Yeah. I think it's funny that this is life of a secret agent that you're walking around and then people just randomly try to kill you. Yeah, you're ready for anything. <laughs> so we also meet Mother, who is like the head of the ministry. Mm -hmm. He's reporting to someone on a red phone who I presume is like the prime minister. Yes. Or someone. I better Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> so they said that the shield is down and it's bad. Next we meet Emma Peel. No. Oh, no? Did I skip something? Dr. Emma Peel. Uh, yes. You get it Excuse right. Me. Fair enough. You, yes. Use Dr. that title. And already things go off the rails with this because uh -oh. they make it very clear that she's Dr. Emma Peel. And later, jumping ahead a little bit, she says to Steed, You can call me Mrs. Peel for some reason. They don't explain why. But then throughout the rest of the movie, everybody else calls her Mrs. Peel. Yeah. A sign of things to come. Put it that way. So we meet her. She, we find out that she's the former chief of the Prospero program, which. I don't think we know what that is at this point. I don't remember what it is now. Oh, well, it was a weather shield. Basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I figured as much based on context. <laughs> but yeah, so she gets a delivery. It's a box with the note in it. And the note says simply, please answer the telephone. And then her phone rings. And she's told that she's supposed to meet John Steed at Boodle's Gentleman's Club. Yes, which is a big deal because no woman has gone there in 500 years or something mm -hmm. like that. And now when we speak of a gentleman's club, we don't mean like a strip club. Nope. <laughs> no, this is in the in the British sense. A gentleman's club is just a place. It's a very you know fancy building where upper crust white men hang out together. That's or right. Don't, or don't say anything, really. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, who knows what they get up to in there. But when I studied abroad in New Zealand, the college that I went to had a club that was the gentleman's club. So I thought it was like a pun or like a risque kind of joke. But yeah. maybe in retrospect, they were kind of serious. But what they would do was things like high class happy hours where they have martinis or like have cigar night where they all have cigars. I didn't do oh. that, of course, but it was very fancy stuff. Damn. 
That would be cool to belong to such a prestigious club like that. I don't think you'd be able to afford it, though. No, that's, I don't that's think always I would. That's, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> of course, I'd also love to be of you know in such uh, prosperity that I could afford it. I guess maybe what you need to do is be friends with someone who's a part of it, and then they uh, want you in. There you go. Anyway, so we go to the gentleman's club. Yeah, like you said, there's no woman around allowed there, but she's mm-hmm. ma- like managed to talk her way past the guy. Mm-hmm. And of course, all the men who are like there, who are either reading a paper or doing something, are shocked that there's a woman in the club. Yeah, they're not even doing anything like controversial. So it's like, why can't women be there? I guess it's like they want to be their true, authentic selves, which I I understand. But yeah, so we find Steed in the steam room. Naked, butt naked. naked. Yeah, we (laughs) see his butt. You know, I got to say, how many movies do you know where the male lead gets naked, but the female lead does not? That's a fair point. Yeah. Well, Days of Futures Past is one that jumps to mind. Huh. (laughs) Did I tell you the story? No. When I saw Days of Futures Past. So I saw it in theater in Connecticut, whatever. Do you remember the part where Wolverine gets up and he's naked and you see his butt? And it's like, yep. it's, it's full glory. It's it's not like this where it's like just part of it. Okay. So he does that and the, the audience like laughs and claps and cheers or whatever. So he walks over to the thing and then the phone goes. <laughs> there was some kind of issue with the film. Okay. I guess they still used film for whatever huh. reason. All so right. we wait a, wait a bit. Lights come up. Wait, 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 wait. And then it comes back, and he gets up, walks over to the thing, and you get to see his butt again. And this time, the, the, the cheers, like, just rang out across the whole theater. <laughs> All right. So where he sat, so he's sitting down on a bench in the steam mm-hmm. room, and he's reading the paper. And, of course, the paper is covering it, his nether regions. But he also has his, his bowler hat next to him for some reason. He never goes anywhere without it. So they introduce each other. This is when we mm-hmm. get the, you know, you can call me Mrs. Peel line. Right. Apparently, this was a test to see if he, she could get her, you know, get into the club, even though she's not allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. And so they go to drive to see Mother at the ministry, just in time for tea. Yes, that's right. He loves his tea. And something I noticed about M is that his, maybe it was just M, the way I M. was. Mother. Sorry. Don't want to get sued. Mother, not M. M is totally different. So something I noticed about him was that when he's holding a cigarette, his fingers looked all green. Did you notice this? I did not notice that. So maybe it was just my TV, because when I looked at his fingers later, it wasn't there. But I wondered if it was supposed to be a he's like addicted to cigarettes, because that can happen when you have cigarettes in your fingers like all the time for years and years and years. Interesting. Did not know that. They arrive at tea time. She takes a macaroon, even though Steed warned her not to because they're mother's favorite. Also, we never just addressed that mother is a man. Right. Did we? Uh, I guess we kind of mentioned at the top that Mother is played by uh, Jim Broadbent. Yes. So this is the part where we find out that Prospero was like a defensive shield. Apparently not just a weather shield, but also just like seemingly a shield that... Well, I don't... It's not clear. You know what? I don't know what kind of shield it is. It's a defensive shield. I thought it'd be for weather just because of the theme of this movie. It could also be to protect uh, the UK from other things. It's like SDI. It's like Star Wars. Yeah. That's what I assumed. Okay. This one of the subsystems blew up and so it's down. That's what we saw what we heard in the beginning. Yeah, and you know who did it? Was Mrs. Peel. What? What? How could that be? So they have camera footage of her doing it. But of course, you know, Mrs. Peel said, No, it's not me. So which reminded me of who's who. Sure. In yeah. the episode that we one of the episodes we saw last week. But she says either mother or Steed says, you know, all right, so you don't say it's not you. Work with Steed to figure out who actually did it. Which, which is, is like yeah. what? 
no, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But I guess that's what you need for the movie to happen. Yeah. So they leave to go off, and then we meet Father, who is the second in command, played by Fiona Shaw. That's her name. Father thinks it could be Mrs. Peel and doesn't believe that it wasn't her. So we go to uh, this tailor shop where, for some reason, Steed and Peel are fencing. Absolutely. Yeah. Except this time they're actually both using the same weapon and mm-hmm. not like a, an epee and a foil for some reason. I think they were both using foils or right. I was a little bit, it's like the one time we're like, all right, this is good. Except you could barely see the swords when they're fighting that it did close-ups on their faces or on their upper halves. You couldn't really see the fight that much because I was like, really? What? What are you doing? Steed is getting a suit tailored or actually just a vest done and... Apparently he ordered Peel some boots, which we don't see until much later. Mm-hmm. And they're about to leave in the car, which is a Bentley, like Steed's car in the show. Mm-hmm. There are all these nods. Like, okay, here's my question. Who okay. is this movie for? Boomers. Okay, so it's, it's for people <laughs> who remember the old show? Yes. Okay. Right. It's, I don't know. It just doesn't, like, if you don't have any knowledge of the old show, it doesn't work. Well, I would speculate that the answer to that question is the same people for whom the RoboCop remake was directed or the A-Team remake. So, like, people complain about remakes in the 21st century, but they've been doing remakes forever. I will say, though, for, like, okay, for the A-Team remake, you had good actors there. These are good actors. They're uh, just not well-written. Fair enough. Fair. But, but the A-Team movie was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. Good. I, I also enjoyed it, but I would never claim it's a good movie. As this is happening, we have Bailey, who is Sir August Henchman, played by Eddie Izzard. Oh, that's who it was. He looked really familiar. And I, and I know recently Eddie, Eddie Izzard has come out as transgender and uses the pronouns she, her. But mm-hmm. the character is played as a male. So we'll be referring to the character as a male, despite the fact that Eddie Izzard uses she and her pronouns. Eddie Izzard, I know her also from Mystery Men. Ah. When she was the head of the Disco Boys. A much oh. better movie than this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eddie Izzard is, or Bailey is watching them. And then we'd cut to them, Steed and Peel, having tea in the car. And there's like this like little faucet in the uh, dashboard. Yeah, that, that was lets... great. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was funny. I know. It just reminds me of the gag from uh, the Santa Claus where they have a CD player, which is a cookie dispenser. That's great, too. Okay, it works in the sleigh of this of Santa Claus, but not. I don't know. It, it didn't work for me. But this is when we first get the one of our their chief suspects first gets brought up, Sir mm-hmm. August De Winters. Where did they get this? If if they think that Emma Peel did it, why do they have this name? So in this scene, I just have Emma Peel takes a bulldozer and just dumps a load of exposition <laughs> on the audience, <laughs> and like I don't even care. I don't even care about the story. Uh. This is going off the rails already, but she's like, this guy's really weird and creepy and we got to go check him out, basically. So he's obsessed with weather. Uh, he's mm. a former ministry man. That's what also made me think about Harry Potter a lot. Is he keeps referring to it as just the ministry, like they do in yeah. Harry Potter, except in Harry Potter, it's the Ministry of Magic. Right. Whereas this is just the ministry. Mmm, spooky. I, I, I get that they're really trying to do the like quippy dialogue of the show. Mm-hmm. But they're not successful. No, no. <laughs> you can say that again. I mean, like, do you want to talk about it now? Like, the whole conceit of the movie really doesn't work. And this is something oh. the reviewers talk about, too, is their relationship. 
Yeah, I like both these actors. Ray Fiennes is great, mm. usually, but they don't have any chemistry. No. So the show, they like each other a lot. I said they were codependent in the last episode. That's a, <laughs> yeah. a little bit, a little bit of a snipe. But I, I really liked their relationship. But I yeah, think everybody did. Definitely friends, and maybe more. Yeah. But they never need to say that they they are more. But you can tell that they actually care about these, each other. These two, mm. they've just met. We don't know. And especially if you don't have no frame of reference with the old show, you're just, mm. you don't care. <laughs> yeah. I think they were also trying to do like a, not even bond, but maybe like a North by Northwest thing where they like, don't trust each other. They don't like each other. And then eventually they get together and all that, which is fine if it works, but it's not the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. They arrive at De Winter's Manor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, did you recognize great. this place? It looked familiar, but I couldn't place so where I knew Blenheim it So it's Blenheim Palace, which has been used in many, many movies, but it was actually used in both Ro- uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Spectre, which both came out the same year. And mm. as I've stated before, have the same plot, basically. Steed is going to go snoop around, but Mrs. Peel will go and distract the Winters. Mm-hmm. Just like the show. I appreciated that, that yeah. they like split up, yeah. And so we see, we take, get a peek inside the house, and there's this giant snow globe collection in the hall. Like, all these snow globes mm-hmm. They're piled on top of each other. And August, Sir August de Winters is there playing this pipe organ. But at the very top of, like, in the center of the pipe organ is this picture of Mrs. Peel. Okay, so that's the kind of surreal, kind of creepy stuff we want, also from the Avengers. Yeah. Do they ever explain it, though? No. I didn't think so. Mrs. Peel is walking through the greenhouse. There's lots of like flowers and cages, which mm. made me think about Poison Ivy because this is a year after Batman and Robin. She's like, don't typecast me. <laughs> uh, Connery also has a line here. Oh, I'm sorry. Alex DeWinter says, meteorologically. Okay, she's August DeWinter. August DeWinter says, I like a woman who is meteorologically inclined. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, She's walking around and like it's getting even more like jungle like, and then he pops up and does he have like a, his hand at her throat? That's what it felt like. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay. Is he like grabs her when he first appears? Yeah, I have a note. WTF is happening in this part. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it doesn't seem like she he's expecting her, but also she he seems to be expecting her. Well, he has the Maybe? picture. Yeah, but he must have foreseen. Okay, I'm going to send this clone of her. Right. Out to do some damage, so eventually she's going to show up. Like okay. that's the one thing yeah. that makes sense among so many things that don't. But then, if you are, why threaten her by like choking her? What? Uh, that was more like a power play. I thought oh, he wasn't actually trying to kill her. I don't know. Anyways, so they start talking about weather and the and like all the flowers that are in cages, which apparently are, like genetically enhanced. Which also, again, poison ivy mm-hmm. gets him like monologuing about who knows what. I, I don't even care. I wasn't listening. I didn't write any of it down. But it, he does have a cool quote where he says, I did it all, which I thought was kind of kind of neat. Uh, but yeah, so as this is going on, Steed is snooping around. He finds his phone booth randomly, in, like a British phone booth mm-hmm. in the forest, and it starts ringing. And as it starts ringing, the wind starts picking up. It starts getting a lot. The weather starts getting a lot harsher. Picks up the phone, and, and there's a voice that says, private property, no trespassing. That feels like the show. Yeah. And it Absolutely. keeps repeating that. Now it's snowing. Mm-hmm. There's these sled dogs that approach with like a sled behind them. Yeah. And it's Mrs. Peel in like these big furs. Mm-hmm. 
she shoots him with a revolver in the chest, like right at the heart. Yeah, that was crazy. It's like execution. She just walks up to him and shoots him. He's saved because he has the bulletproof Westcat. That's how you say it. From before. <laughs> yeah. So, but she, he wakes up. Well, Mrs. Peel is wakes up Steed. I guess, is this his flat? I'm not sure where they are. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, suddenly they're back in his place. I don't understand how they escaped or what happened. No idea. Yeah. And they do but, this a few times where it's like, all right, there's this. Oh, someone might be dead. And then they wake up in another place, but there's no explanation, which is like fine in a regular movie because they might explain it. Here, they never do. Mm -hmm. And I know it's supposed to be surreal, but there's a difference between surreal and like doesn't make any sense. Nonsensical, yeah. Right. So I like this part where they're talking and she's playing the piano and then she turns and the piano keeps playing by itself. Uh, oh, you mean that trick that every kid did like in an apartment store where there was a keyboard playing? It doesn't get old to me. Yeah, that was a little funny, but yeah. So, mm -hmm. so uh, next, Steed and Peel go to Wonderland Weather to investigate. Again, this is another thing where it's like, why? How do they know about this? What? What? I think they explained it, but I just wasn't listening because every time they're talking to each other, I just like go into a catatonic state. I don't think they did explain it this time because they just show up at the place. Yeah, they must have figured it had something to do with the thing, but who cares? Because next is Fares. There are furries in this movie. What? The bear suits. Oh, furries. What did you think? No, I no, no, no. We're not there yet. Well, hold up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I couldn't wait to talk about the furries. <laughs> they go to investigate and they say that they're from this influential group of flower growers, which made me think about who's who again. Mm -hmm. And they said that they're breeding this rare rose, the Crimson Monk. And they name drop August de Winters as like one of their friends. So the woman's like, oh, of course, you must know whoever. I was hoping that this rose that they were talking about was going to be the same rose uh, from Who's Who, the Crimson Glory. But it was not. It's the Crimson Glory is the rose from Who's Who, whereas this is the Crimson Monk. I was like, oh, come on. You couldn't just make the same for those. Like, if you're trying to get those viewers of the old show, Who's Who is apparently a pretty famous episode so just go with the same rose instead of going for something different yeah if you're going to be so specific about what kind of rose it is at least have it be a callback and reward your readers for paying attention or yeah. viewers yeah. yeah this is the only part i remember from watching it the first time the furries <laughs> what do you so, think is more ridiculous this costume or his one from zardoz i don't know <laughs> I can't decide. I can't imagine what Sean Connery was thinking when he has the suit and then the, the headpiece is off so you can see his head on the bear. Right, so so let's set the scene. Before we go just dive right into it, let's set the scene. So Sir oh. August is having a meeting of Wonderland weather and yeah. everyone in his, is in these giant teddy bear suits to hide their identities, even mm -hmm. from each other. Sir August knows who all of them are and they all know who Sir August is, but to protect each other's identities. They're all in the teddy bear suits. Yeah, if only the Court of Owls had thought of this. <laughs> this felt like a typical, like this is weird to, for Connery to be on the other side of like a Bond villain speech. Mm -hmm. This is the classic thing of, does anyone want to uh, want to get out? And, yeah. the, and of course, a few people do, and then they get killed. <laughs> Immediately, yes. Yeah. He throws like these darts, at, like look like lawn darts, kill them immediately. Yeah, it somehow penetrates the giant bear suit. I don't get it, yeah. but it's fine. 
And like, what's weird is that he doesn't even comment about it. He's like, we're all anonymous here. So like, if they had filmed it and they were wearing just the Court of Owls masks and not the teddy bear suit, it would have been exactly the same. So like, why? You can have a teddy bear with Sean Connery's voice coming out of it. And his head on top of it. Oh yeah, but I mean, we, we, the surreal image of just the just the Sean Connery's voice coming out of a teddy bear. Also, like somehow these things like move perfectly whenever Connery's walking or moving or talking. They like all turn in unison, like as if it was a teddy bear moving its head. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. As weird as it is, I have no complaints about this because it's like one of the few parts this that's is... actually interesting. Yeah, yeah. It leads up to my favorite part, which is coming up. Okay. Steve and Peel are getting a tour of Wonderland weather from the receptionist. And at this point, I realized what this movie reminded me of, which was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh. Yeah. Think about it. Think about it. All right. Yeah, I can see that. So they Mm. do some more snooping. They find the boardroom where they were having the meeting. The two dead bears are still there. So Steve and Peel unmask them and find out that they're two members of the Prospero research team. And as they're, like, you know, leaving the boardroom, they spot two more bears. They split up. This is my favorite part. Oh? (laughs) They're walking along a bridge, and they see in an open glass elevator a bear. And the bear does, like, the point. Like, the the, I'm going to kill you point. It made me laugh out loud loudly. <laughs> oh, this this movie. So this one part was hilarious. I don't think it, I don't think it was supposed to be funny. So um, yeah, so one of the bears goes down to the ground floor, and one goes to the roofs. So of course, they make a you take the high road, I'll take the low road joke. Uh huh. Which is like kind of worked for me. I appreciate any references to Celtic music. The one that Steed went after was uh, Bailey. Yeah, you see Bailey taking off the suit. Throw it in mm-hmm. the dumpster, which, why would you throw it in the dumpster right next to the place instead of getting rid of it somewhere else? Yeah, whatever. And he's got all these uh, henchmen with him, so Steed fights all the henchmen. Which, this was not a bad fight scene. No, it was good. It reminded me of the Kingsman fight, of course. I was going to say, yeah, it definitely reminded me of that. Yeah, it's pretty hard to miss when you have a British guy in a suit with an umbrella. But also, the, the henchmen reminded me of Sting and the Police for some reason. I have that, <laughs> have that no doubt. I don't know why. All right, all right. But then also in the fight, he has the steel hat. Like, he whacks somebody with the hat, and it actually so hurts I him. was waiting for him to, like, knock on, like, this thing and to have, like the, like, the very metallic sound. But he never does that. Finally, they reward the viewers of the show who understand that if you smack someone with a hat, it would actually <laughs> hurt them. Yeah, he knocks all of them out besides um, Bailey. Mm-hmm. And ba- so Bailey gets away, but, uh, like, in the process, drops this map, which has, the like, the word Brawley on it. Mm-hmm. And Brawley stands for British Organization for Lasting Liquid Years, which is apparently another organization that's working with Wonderland Industries or Wonderland Weather. That's right. Yeah, it gives them somewhere else to go and something else to investigate, I guess is the idea. Yeah. On it, like Brawley is like a brief, like there's a period after each letter, but the BR comes from British. So there shouldn't be periods between the B and the R. Nope. But Spectre <laughs> is also guilty of this because there's periods between each letter of Spectre, but it's the special executive that's SP comes from mm. special. I don't know. I'm, we get no explanation for who Brawley is, really. Like I think they mentioned it in the teddy bear boardroom scene, but barely. Yeah. Talk about an overstuffed plot, overstuffed like the teddy bears. <laughs> <laughs> we go up to Peel on the roof, and she gets jumped by the bear. 
Like, yeah, <laughs> I loved everything with the bears. It was so great. And this bear is revealed to be the other M appeal in disguise. Right. And so that like they fight, and then the the other M appeal jumps off the roof. That was pretty sweet. But where does she go? Away. But like, what? <laughs> How does she survive that? I know she's skilled. She can do anything. And next we go to Sir August, who's targeting lo- a location in London for his weather machine. I was trying to figure out, okay, where is this in London? But it's apparently nowhere because it's like this giant field and there's this little like ball. It looked like the ion cannon from yes, Star Wars. I have that too. <laughs> it looked like the ion cannon. And it's like it's like a lightning rod, basically, that the, the machine's supposed to strike. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he was doing that test, and as as this is happening, Steed and Peel are seemingly back at Steed's flat. They're pl- discussing plan the plans while playing chess. And, like Mrs. Peel mm-hmm. isn't even looking. She's doing what other movie do we have that where they're playing chess without actually seeing the board? I'm just thinking of the Queen's Gambit, but that's just because it's chess involved. It I wonder was if anyone will movie. still remember the Queen's Gambit by the time this comes out. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. Okay. The catcher was a spy. Oh, yeah, yeah. They are actually playing chess, though, but Mrs. Peel isn't looking at all. Mm-hmm. My wife, Carolyn, who's been on the show before, noticed that Steed is playing. He's moving his pieces, but he's not moving her pieces when they're playing. Wow. That would make it pretty hard. But that makes no sense at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. So she's, like, analyzing something. I don't know what. Steed had orders to kill Mrs. Peel if she was actually the one behind it. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was. What, she, what she's doing is she's tracking the weather patterns. Like, the freak weather patterns that seem to be happening. Except this is the first that we're actually hearing about it. Okay, apparently she's been doing it the whole time, but whatever. Uh, Does he say also at this point that, according to her file, she has a psychopathic personality? Yeah, which I'm like, what? Yeah, come on, this isn't the adventures. She's not supposed to be, like, almost on the verge of being a bad guy. They're good guys. I have a theory about that, and then I'll tie into the next scene. Hi, SpyFi fans. We have a promotion for you. This is not an ad. No, it is not. We're offering you a chance to win a free SpyFi Guys t-shirt if you live in the U.S. or Canada. All you have to do is leave a five-star review for this podcast on iTunes and use the code word SUMMER in the review. That's the code word SUMMER. You have until the end of the swinging 60s summer to the end of September 2021. We will select our winner at random from all the entries received. Again, that's a five-star written review with the code word SUMMER for your chance to win. Good luck, and thank you for listening. So next scene, we have Father and Sir August playing croquet. She's warning him about Pio, so obviously she's in on the plot. Yeah, no need to have that be revealed in like a dramatic or interesting fashion. Play croquet together. What this reminded me of, though, was Goldfinger. Sure. The scene of Goldfinger where they're playing golf, because it's Connery, of course, I thought about that. And like, <laughs> yeah. there are even camera angles that look very similar to when Connery is supposed to sink this really long putt in Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they do a very similar camera angle when he's uh, hitting the croquet ball, or whatever it's called. Yeah, I guess if you're going to steal, steal from the best. My theory about her whole file is that Father set it up. Oh. So she's not actually a psychopath. That works. I, but I like it's that. never explained. Yeah, if they don't circle back to it, if there's no setup and then payoff, then, like, yeah, that's not so good. So next we go to Bailey, and we find out that he's controlling a set of drones. Yeah, I also well, have down that they were drones. Because they're actually, they're shaped like bees. 
So, oh, drones. Because bees are drones, yes. So he sends them off to attack Steed and Peel, who are driving in a car. Where they're going, I don't know. This movie explains nothing. We're going to Brawley. Wait, oh, no. No? No, they're not. They're going back to August to Winter's house? Maybe? I think so. That's where they end up, but I don't know if that's where they're meant to go. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so they have this chase scene. One of the drones crashes into the car, and Steed uses its gun somehow to shoot at the other drones. Mm-hmm. And they end up knocking out all the drones. And, like, in the middle of this of the road, there's this woman, like, with a bunch of flowers. Yeah. She pulls a Tommy gun out of the bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. and takes out the last henchman. Yeah, so I like this. Like, she was, like, part of their crew, and she was infiltrated in first, and now she's going to help them out. Like, it totally works. Yeah. And I think she even survives the movie. Maybe. No? We don't actually see her <laughs> we don't see her again? Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Alice. Yes. They walk towards a back entrance of uh, Winter's estate. The back entrance, apparently, is going through a maze. Yeah, they get some sexy dialogue during the maze. Like, I'm going to come find you, or whatever. I didn't write it down. Something like that. (laughs) I would not describe it as sexy. Okay, well, that's fine. So eventually, they get separated. Just like in Harry Potter. The hedge maze there. I I did also think about it there, yeah. Like, the the maze uh, in Goblet of Fire. Fire. My personal favorite one. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, Your terrible taste aside. Mm Mm-hmm. So they get separated. They're talking through the, the hedges. And then Mrs. Peel falls down this hole. Steed and De Winters fight. Steed has his trusty umbrella. And Winters has like a staff. They fight, but then he like, De Winters knocks the umbrella into the air and it opens. And he like, Steed is just like, never mind defending himself. He's just watching the umbrella come down and like mm-hmm. lands perfectly into his hand. And by that time, De Winters is gone. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't understand any of this stuff. And then the other Mrs. Peel knocks Steed out. Like kicks Nuts. him in the face or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But Boom. yeah, so now we get we find out what happened to the, the real Mrs. Peel. And she's tied up under a machine that's like hypnotizing her. Like Sir August says she, that he's mind wiping her. I guarantee you this has happened in the series at least twice. Yeah. Alice finds Steed still in the maze and wakes him up and says, here's the plan. Never explains what the plan is. <laughs> and then we go back to Sir August, and he's dancing with Peel, and she's clearly like drugged and out of it. Mm-hmm. This is very creepy. He puts her on a bed and is like about to kiss her. Mm-hmm. But then the doorbell rings. Yes. And at the door is Alice. And then Peel wakes up and is like trying to escape. And she finds herself in, in Inception, basically. Yeah, well, MC Escher painting. With yeah. the stairs. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of the movie to be like that. Yeah, there's very certain, like, and also she'd like try to enter a door or exit a. I like this part where she like leaves a hallway and then walk in and it'd be like, and then she'd be right at the beginning of the hallway. It's like the cube movies. Yeah. So Steed is snooping around outside again and he's tapping on the window mm-hmm. and Mrs. Peel can hear it. And so he keeps tapping and she jumps through a mirror, which turns out to be the side of the window and comes out, you know, gets outside. So so they just run away back to town. It's like yep. D&D. They just go back to town. But like, so Alice had him at gunpoint. Uh-huh. What? I was hoping you were going to tell me because I just thought of that no. as well. No, nothing. Well, we find Alice later, but yeah. no explanation. 
They must have had like a deleted scene or something. Well, yeah. Anyways, Dean brings <laughs> Peel to his flat, but he speaks like he's never brought to her to his flat before. Right. So where was the other place? Her flat. Was it? Sure, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he has her boots, mm-hmm. which she like the, from that scene, which feels like years ago. This <laughs> movie is, I don't know. It's really short, and yet it feels really long. Yeah. And they're having banter, flirting dialogue uh-huh. as he's like unzipping her boots, her other boots, and zipping these up. She says she doesn't remember anything, but then father bursts in with a bunch of goons. Well, ministry goons. <laughs> yeah. And mother's there too. Like it was like I think that like, were they like right about the kiss? Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. and also, first of all, I take offense at you calling them goons. Okay, they are hardworking civil servants. This all is right, a legitimate enough. arrest. Is it? Well, yeah, father's pulling some strings, but it's all above board. To go back to like who's who, yeah, this is like all the other agents who are trying to go after Steed and Peel when they're in the other in the uh, other people's bodies. All right, so that go- I, I just. Because they were with father, I just, yes. you know, assumed they were goons. One man's goon is another man's legitimate enforcer of the law. <laughs> we'll say that. Uh, do we want to say that? <laughs> no. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. They arrest Peel. Uh-huh. And Steve talks to... Uh, the Invisible Man. Colonel I. Jones. And the I stands for Invisible. Yeah, that's fortunate that he became invisible later. That's a weird name to have your whole life. Also, this is Patrick McNee. That's the voice. Oh, okay. Nice. And apparently he works naked, or they figured out how to make his clothes invisible. I think the latter is more likely. Unknown. Yeah. I did like the moment where, like, Steed is not sure where to look. He said, just talk to the pipe. And he he has, like, a a floating pipe. Mm Mm-hmm. So he gives Jones the map, the Brawley map, mm-hmm. to look at. And he says, I want to know more about the Prospero program. So Father has Mrs. Peel in a very, very tall padded cell. Yeah. It's like two two or three stories tall. Mm-hmm. And this is the one thing that makes me think maybe Mrs. Peel does have like some mental issues. Because she's like in the... Well, not the fact that she's in the padded cell or the fact that she's in a straitjacket, but she, uh, she's, she starts ranting that makes it sound like she's a little crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, if you were being falsely arrested because you, you, someone who looked identically identical to you that you've seen is doing these things, maybe you'd be a little crazy, too. Yeah, she's been through some weird stuff in this movie, yeah. and presumably outside of the movie, too. I wouldn't be surprised if Father, like, messed with her head or something. Yeah. So we find out from Colonel Jones that... Sir August ran the Ministry's cloning program? What? Why do they do this to us? But, like, they never address anything further. Uh So they never confirm that this is a clone of Mrs. Peel. Well, presumably it is. Like, why else would you have to talk about a cloning program in your movie? Uh, But, yeah, but he went too far, is what they say. They don't ever specify what that means. Well, you clone someone who already is alive, and then you use them to frame them for murder? Or whatever crimes against the state seems to be before like the fact that Colonel Jones knows that he went too far implies that there was something else that happened when he went too far, not this. That's true. That's true. But we but never find he, out what it is. No. But he purchased a bunch of land, like former Ministry land, mm-hmm. which is what was shown on the map, which is apparently an island in the middle of London. But what? Yeah, it's like along the Thames River. Oh, okay. I, I guess that kind of makes sense, but I feel like. It's not we, very secret. Yeah, I don't know. This, this <laughs> movie is hurting Whatever. my head. Keep going, keep going. We're okay. almost at the big finale. 
we find out the weather is getting worse by the minute. I didn't know it was getting worse, but it's getting bad now. Like they say these things as if we should know. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so Ar- Sir August in like full Scottish garb interrupts the, like the Council of Ministers, which is basically the UN, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Starts monologuing. He says he's going to use the weather to destroy London. And why? Because from now on, they have to buy their weather from him. No, no, no. Hang on. I want to say it oh. exactly the way All he right. says it. Right. Because I actually thought a couple of these lines were sort of cool. Are you going to so do I the like, accent? I like, yeah, I'm going to try. I like when he says, weather is not in God's hands, but in mine. <laughs> I thought that was cool. And then the other line I like is when he says, you'll buy your weather from me and by God, you'll pay for it. I like buy that. your weather for me, and by God, you'll pay for it. Yeah, I thought that was cool. You didn't think it was cool? No. Okay, that's fine. And they have until midnight to something. They don't. To he pay says up. you have, uh, <laughs> but he's given no like amounts of money. How much you'll they need to pay in a Bond movie? If they've ever done a ransom for money or anything like that, they give him a deadline. You say, all right, this is how much money. This is where you're supposed to drop something. No, just, you just have till midnight. That's it. No, this didn't bother me. I, I interpret it as you have until midnight to tell me we like concede. Like, like uh, okay, you win, we give up. That's fine. Actually, you know what? Forget I said that because we do get demands in the very next scene. Because this is when oh. Alice reappears. Oh, okay. Okay. She stumbles into Ministry HQ and says, mm-hmm. I have Sir August's demands. Like, this movie has driven me so out of my mind that I forget what happens from scene to scene. But thankfully, I have notes. It is kind of funny that Sir August just issues his ultimatum and allows his like underlings to handle all the details. She's not even an underling. She was a hostage. Even better. <laughs> so he wants 10% of their GDP annually. Yeah. Uh, which mother says that that's preposterous. That's no deal. And, and, and Alice says, yes, Sir August knows that. And oh. then, yeah, so basically he just wants to destroy the world. He doesn't even want the money, maybe. Mm, I like it. I like it. Finally, something interesting happening. Do you know? Kind of. (laughs) Mother asks Alice if she was tortured, and she said, no, there was no reason to, because Sir August knows everything already. Because Mm. there's a high-level leak in Mm. the ministry. Father. Yes. Which we already knew. You really should never know more than your protagonist. Well, it depends on the movie, unless you're going for dramatic irony. Which they were not. Maybe, but like here. in like this sort of thing where it's supposed to be like a mystery. Yeah. It, oh, it definitely, you lose it something because then you feel smarter than the protagonist, which you never want your protagonist to feel dumb unless they're supposed to be a dumb character. Unless the movie's dumb and dumber. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. It's not interesting because we yeah. already know it. Exactly. Yeah. Mother goes to confront father very easily, like knocks over mother in the wheelchair mm-hmm. and leaves him. Steed. I guess has just come back from the archives and go, runs over to Mrs. Peel's cell, mm. sees that it's empty, and like looks at his pocket watch. And there's like a, some sort of tracking screen on there from the boots. We don't find that out till later, but yes. Well, I, I'm a smart audience member, and I put two and two together. Yeah, I figured that out as well too. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to be that smart to figure out that detail. You need to be, I don't know, some kind of idiot savant to figure out what's going on in the rest of this movie. But, Absolutely, no argument there. Uh, and suddenly. Mrs. Peel is in a hot air balloon with father? Yes. That's right. And so, like, Steve finds mother, and where was this set up that there's a balloon? They have to get to his island somehow. Why not use the most vulnerable 
piece of transportation you could possibly find. So she wakes up, she gets on top of the balloon, is trying to sabotage it. The balloon is like going off course because of her sabotage. And the two Mrs. Peels fight on top of the balloon, or on top of the structure of the balloon. Somewhere. But what I wanted yeah. to say about this fight is there's a part where one of the Mrs. Peels hits the other one, and they have like the generic punch sound effect, <laughs> like that you hear in every Jackie the, Chan movie. That sound. <laughs> like I would describe it more as like a whoosh. Yeah. I don't know. I can't really do it, but I think uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. So the balloons pass by Trafalgar Square. And it knocks over the statue of Lord Nelson, which made me think about, I was like, wait, there was some movie where someone stole the statue of Lord Nelson. It was Casino Royale 67. Okay, yeah, and that's right. see, like, Trafalgar Square, and, like, it's missing. Wow, Lord Nelson just can't take a break. I mean, first he, you know, dies at the Battle of Trafalgar, and then also people keep stealing him or knocking him over. Yeah, he's like Big Ben, where people just keep wanting to take him out. Which, I mean, we'll get to that. <laughs> Apparently in Trafalgar Square, there's also a giant sign, like a neon sign for Wonderland weather. Because of Mrs. P.O.'s sabotage, the balloon's going off course. And we hear Sir August, like, telling Father, you're losing course, you're losing altitude. No, that's more Irish. No, that's not <laughs> I don't know where that accent was. Um, well, Sean Connery's easy to do. You just do the S's. 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 Well, you also... <laughs> Have to have the voice, like the lower the registry, and then you, because it's not quite a Scottish accent. No, it's not. <laughs> You're okay. going, no, I can't. I can't do it. You're I need going to... off course. <laughs> yes, that it. That was good. I think you're better at it than me. <laughs> but yeah, so it crashes into the Wonderland weather sign. But right before it crashes, Mrs. Peel, the real Mrs. Peel, falls off of the balloon into a giant snowbank because. Oh, yeah. Did we forget to say that it's snowing? No, we forgot to say that. But I guess it's like once you get snow, how much worse can the weather get before it becomes like natural disaster? Yeah, I mean, exactly yeah. Happens. yeah. But yeah, so the and the balloon and the sign explode. Mm-hmm. So there goes father and fake Mrs. Peel. Steed like is, gets to Trafalgar Square, is looking up, like is looking at his tracker, looking up and sees the balloon. And sees Mrs. Peel fall into a snowbank and finds her. He explains that there was a tracker in her boot. And then they kiss. Yes. What? Sucks. <laughs> and and she's like, I believe that was a kiss. And he says, technically. My face was contorted from cringing during this part. Technically. What does that mean? Because <laughs> he's a technical guy. Uh, he says it was like, to just make sure that you were the right Mrs. Peel. But... How would he know? Because he's never kissed either, Mrs. Peel. I was like, but just stop talking. <laughs> what? Oh, this feeds back into that thing of the, you know, who is this movie for? If it's for fans of the show, they never kiss, except for like that one episode where they were swapped bodies with someone else. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, why? This like, I think it was just the Hollywood didn't understand how to have a movie where you like have attractive male and female who don't kiss at some point. That's right. I mean, that's what it was expected in the times. So you give the people what you think they want. Yeah. So we go to mother who's reporting to the PM and says that, you know, there's two agents on it. And like he has to specify to the PM, a man and a woman. Like, why does it matter? But then we get Mrs. Peel and Steed walking across the Thames. Yeah. um, In like these big bubbles, which reminded me of the uh, verse scene of uh, the town of a of no return was that what the episode we watched yeah where they come out of the water yeah how great would have been if they were zorbing at this part (laughs) what's zorbing 
it's like a big plastic ball like this. But instead of walking, you're like strapped in and like oh, position, and then you yes. roll around. Yes, yes. It's supposed to go down a hill. It also reminded me of uh, what's the what's the thing from the prisoner? A rover, of course. Rover, yeah, yeah, totally. Mrs. Peel is now in the cat suit, but yeah. was she just doing that to pretend she was the other Mrs. Peel? <gasps> that would have been a great twist. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Oh, that would have been good. Oh, well. They go through the forest, which is, again, snowy, and they Mm. find one of the dead teddy bears. Apparently, he was also from Prospero. And then they see the the phone booth. And this is where we get the line, a variation of the line, where Steed goes to the phone booth and says, Mrs. Peel, you're needed. I like that. "Eh, All right, fine, fine. Yeah, it works. They get into the booth. There's some flirty banter. Mm -hmm. She picks up the phone and says, how now, brown cow? I don't get it. And then they go down, like the phone booth drops them down into the lair, which, again, Harry Potter. Uh, the phone yeah. booth that drops you down if you dial the right number, say the right phrase, into the mm-hmm. ministry. Yeah. Okay. And this part was very League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, this whole, yeah, I like, high wire part. Yeah. They see this big giant dome and they go down this big giant spiral staircase. Mr. Peel says she can shut down the machine. And so. Bailey goes after Mrs. Peel while Sir August is going to take care of Steed. Sir August blows up the staircase, but like Steed just uses his umbrella to block most of the shards and moves on. Yeah. Whereas Mrs. Peel has to cross these wires to get to the silver ball-shaped control panel. I actually like both of these fight scenes. Mrs. Peel versus Bailey and Steed versus Sir August. I thought they were I both liked good. Mrs. Peel's fight. Because I realized, you know, Mrs. Peel like is famous for her like is it Kung Fu or so I don't remember which type think, of martial art. I think art. it's Kung Fu, yeah. Yeah. Uh or whatever my martial art's supposed to be. And we mm. didn't, like I realized we haven't seen her fight actually, except for the fencing. No. You're right. But it's we right. do see her fight here, and it's actually it's it's pretty good. Like so and I like that, you know, when Bailey is crossing, he's he actually like wires himself in, like uh, yeah, like it's get, smart. So he's attached to the wires, and they're mm. fighting. They have some acrobatic fights. Like Mrs. Peel pulls off some like gymnastics moves as if he were on the like horizontal bars, mm-hmm. which was cool. But eventually, like she like knocks Bailey off, and the wire he's attached to gets disconnected. He like Georgia the jungles into the side of something, and mm-hmm. then he lets out the only f word in the movie. Yeah, apparently the one F word in a PG-13 movie goes back further than I thought. I thought that was more of a recent rule. No, no, that's been for a while. It is the thing that can edge you from a PG to a PG-13. So, because they wanted it to seem like a you know higher rated movie that'd be more attractive to the audiences. Sure. So they put in one that. F word. Also, that F word's not even Eddie Izzard. That's not her voice. Oh, how'd you know that? You can hear that it's not her voice. And also, you never see the, the character's mouth move. Like, mm-hmm. the, the character's mouth is hidden by their arms. And oh. so it's like, it's definitely something that they just add. Like, all right, we, can, we have one effort. We need to put it in there so we get it, make it a PG-13 movie. There you go, right there. So um, also around here is August is making fun of Steed's name. Oh, yeah. Like, I have a quote here where, and this is going to be the record for Sean Connery impressions in a single podcast. He's <laughs> like, it's a horse ash of a name. Horse ash of a name. Horse ash. Harsh ash. Horse's but, ash of a name. <laughs> I was like, why would you make fun of somebody's name? It's like the one thing about themselves they can't control. Also, your name is August de Winters. I think they're both cool names. Speaking as someone whose name has a theme. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you never make fun of someone else's name if your name definitely has a theme to both names. 
Mm, people with theme names unite. <laughs> and then somebody around here says, you're not a racing man. Yes, because it's a steed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Steed finds August. They have their fight. Steed, mm. I liked I liked the sword umbrella. That was cool. Yeah, I like that. August throws some darts. Same kind of darts he used to kill the teddy bears. He throws them at Steed. Steed mm. blocks with the hat. But I was expecting him for the like to bounce off because it's like metal hat, but no, they just stick into the hat. And then he throws it at Sir August. When he just knocks it away into the water. Mm. There's the hat. <laughs> also more dialogue I like from this part is Sir August says, time to die. And Steed says, not just yet. In a better movie, that would have been kind of cool. I like or understated is dialogue. There no time to die. Uh, Which by the time of this release will still not be released. Nope. More like no time will ever come out. Oh, sad. <laughs> to be fair, I do actually want to see it in a theater when that is safe. So I'm okay with them delaying it, unlike other Bond fans on the internet. But we don't need to get into that. James Bond can be patient, so can we. <laughs> So also we get a shot of Big Ben getting hit by lightning. Like we said, you know, people just love, like, if it's in London, you if you blow up Big Ben, you blow up, well, now you blow up, like, the London Eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You knock the London Eye over. People uh, love it, that. Yeah. Did this come out before or after Independence Day? Do you know? I'm going to look it up. After. It's after. Okay, Independence you... Day was 96. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Taking out major landmarks is just what you do in these big event movies. I, I never did see the sequel. I did see the trailer and I liked the line that, uh, what's his face? Uh, Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. says, they do like getting the monuments. <laughs> anyway, so as they're fighting, Steed loses his sword. He gets knocked over a railing. And yeah, he like lets go of the railing and falls down a level. Yeah. And Sir August chases after him. And they're more fighting, and then he maneuvers it so that he grabs the staff from Sir August and stabs him through. Right. That wasn't even a pointy staff. That's how strong he is. Oh, God. (laughs) And then, what? He gets zapped. (laughs) Not not only so, he gets hit by lightning, Mm -hmm. which somehow doesn't also shock Steed, despite the fact that they're on a very wet metal. What do we call it? Like girder? girder walkway? No, 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 walkway, yes. Yeah. Like, also, the lightning grabs Sir August uh-huh. and lifts him up into the skies as he's getting burnt up. Isn't it great? What? <laughs> I loved it. I was so happy to see it because it meant the movie was almost over. But also, uh, it's like no body, no death. So maybe they could bring him back in a sequel. I don't know. He seemed pretty badly burned. But I mean, and if this was an Austin Powers movie, yeah. You could just have Will Ferrell's like, I'm very badly burned. Yeah, see? No problem. The weather is still destroying London. And mm-hmm. Peel, I'm hoping she's done more than just this one thing. We don't see any of it. We we saw her like start to do whatever she was doing, and then it cut away just to them fighting. Mm-hmm. Which you might have liked the fight. I don't know. I was kinda it was kind of lackluster to me. Like it was a lot of high angles and like you really couldn't see them fighting that much. It was actually exciting, unlike the rest of the movie. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, so Mrs. Peel has to cut either the red wire or the black wire, mm-hmm. and she does any mini miny mo to figure out which one to cut, and luckily she cuts the right one. What a pro. She does this ridiculous swan dive down to where Steed is. Mm-hmm. And an auto-destruct system activates. Yeah. So they go into the control pod that Sir August was in before. Everything blows up around them. 
Mm-hmm. And we go to Mother, who's back on the phone with the PM. He says that, you know, everything's resolved. Steed and Peel are MIA. Then they resurface in the pod outside of Parliament. They quote the, what was it? The, the something in the Pussycat. The owl in the Pussycat. Went to sea in a pea green boat. Get it? Because we're on the sea also in a boat. It's really I mean, obvious. It is a poem. <laughs> yeah. I think it, that uh, seems like the kind of thing they would have done in, in the series. It's just said by people who we don't like work. as much. Yeah. yeah, Characters we don't like as much. Or portrayals of characters that we don't like as much. Because I like both of these actors normally. Sure. Yes. But just here, the writing is terrible. And then they meet up with her mother for a toast. And this time, Mrs. Peel doesn't eat the macaron. Or is it the macaroon? Macaroon. Thank you. Then the movie ends. The movie with blissfully zoom, ends. <laughs> with like, it zooms out to a shot of London. I did appreciate that all the shots of London from the, you know this point on do have like the destroyed Big Ben. Oh, I didn't yeah, notice I like, that. I looked for it. I was like, this is the one thing they showed us that blew up. They actually were consistent about it. And the movie ends. Okay, well, do you have any spy fact versus fiction for us? I do have a few. So, there were a lot of references to Alice in Wonderland in this. Mm -hmm. uh, Wonderland weather. Uh, There was also a quote that someone says that, you know, Mother says that sometimes I believe in as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Yeah, I noticed that too. There's the maze. There's a character named Alice, of course. So, yeah, lots of references to Alice in Wonderland, including, and this is just in the Disney movie. I don't know if it was actually in the regular stories, but when Alice is, like, with the caterpillar, she's, and she's talking about different poems, say, she mentions the owl and the pussycat as one of them. Okay. So there's a lot of that. We mentioned it before. There's the M.C. Escher drawings of the stairs, the, you know, impossible stairs, mm-hmm. which was also, of course, featured in Inception. At one point... When they find the dead teddy bear in the forest, Steed says the teddy bears are having a picnic, which is a oh, reference right. to the teddy bears picnic, a song, yeah, a, a British song. But the thing that was most interesting to me is, so Mother, in the episodes we watched, Mother did not appear. In episodes no. I watched by myself later, they do talk about it. But Mother's first appearance is mm. in Mrs. Peel's very last episode, which I believe is the first episode of season six. Okay. And Mother is played by someone we might recognize. The actor's name is Patrick Newell. He was in the town of No Return as Smallwood. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that actor came back, played a different one. Apparently he played a number of different roles throughout the series, but then Mm. came back as Mother. And in the pretty much the same appearance that Jim Broadbent was with the mustache and the wheelchair, the character of Father only appeared in one episode. And I don't never got that Father was blind here, but in the show, she was blind. Okay, that's why she reminded me of the science teacher from Starship Troopers, who was also blind. Yeah. The gentleman's club that uh, Speed Steed belongs to, Boodles, is a real gentleman's club in London. Ian Fleming was a member of that, and so he wrote Boodles into the James Bond novels, although he called it Blades, but it's supposed to be Boodles. Okay. But the location was not actually real boodles it's called it's a place called the reform club in the movie die another day they use the same location as the club blades which is where the where the fencing scene in die another day takes place oh the famous one the one that people actually like does boodles allow women it does not so that is true to life okay still or i don't know if it still does good mm-hmm. question as of the 1950s when the books were written or and at later 60s there were no women allowed all right All right, so now it's time for our favorite quotes. 
I have a bunch from the fights, but I have two I wanted to highlight. That all right, all chat. right. So the first is from the beginning training scene when yeah. Steed is like signing out or whatever. Uh-huh. And he says, the Cold War is over. So what are we going to do? And the, the guy he's talking to says, always an enemy. You just need to know where to look. Damn it. You stole one of my quotes. <laughs> so I was like, is that supposed to be a political statement? It's a good quote. I maybe that line at the very beginning is what made me look up. All right. When did this or made me think about, all right, when did this movie take place? All right. After Golden Eyes, of course. And like, mm. I think after the, first Austin Powers movie as well, so they're all dealing with that sort of post-Cold War, all right, who is the enemy now, kind of thing, right. although we know that now the enemy is still Russia. Yeah, what are our spies going to do in our spy movies? <laughs> and then my other quote is from this confrontation between mother and father. Yep. Is, I'm not taking one of yours, am I? No, 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 go ahead. Okay, so father overpowers mother, knocks him down, and says, it really isn't Mother's Day. Which is so bad. It's the worst quote in any of the movies we have seen. Bar none. I had to share it. All right. So I've got, yeah, I had the the always an enemy one. I also had no women, not in Boodles, not since 1762. Mm -hmm. I don't know what accent that was. And I also had from Steed, I'm a nature lover. So whatever comes naturally. Okay. And then, of course, this is the one thing that, like, one of the two things I remember from the first time I tried to watch this movie and fell asleep. I mm. remembered the teddy bears are having a picnic. Except they're not? No? Or something close enough to it, I guess. Uh, this may have the record for the most different accents we've tried to do. How did you suddenly keep us entertained? Because the movie sure didn't. Yeah, all right. All right, so now it is time for our ratings on a scale of one to ten martinis, one being a terrible spy movie and ten being the greatest. How would you rate The Avengers from 1998? Oh, you know, I I agonized over this because it's just... Watch it. You know, here, let me... I forgot to share this. So this movie was originally 115 minutes, and then they cut it down... After a test screening, they cut it down to 90 minutes. So there's 25 minutes of movie, probably plot that would explain what happened in the movie. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that if they cut that out, it was probably because it was boring the audience. So I can't imagine that that would make any, any way better movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But at least it might make sense. <laughs> and this movie does not make sense. Like I've said many times, we don't care about these two main characters, because if you didn't watch the show, you'd have no idea who these characters are. And if you did watch the show, <laughs> you're going to be these mad. are not the characters <laughs> that you know. No. So, I mean, especially like making Mrs. Peel, I don't know, just like what? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so bad. And I, it makes no sense. It's, it's of that era of the late 90s blockbuster, the pre Star Wars prequels, pre Matrix. 90s blockbuster where if you add enough explosions and have enough big names and maybe you're from an existing property people will pay attention for you for 90 minutes and then forget about you but give you your, give the money i have to give this a two because it's just so bad like it's uh, probably around i don't know if it's better or worse than hudson hawk i'd say it's about the same you know, actually, no. Hudson Hawk, I was more entertained by because I it made linear sense for the most mm-hmm. part. Yeah, Hudson Hawk wasn't boring. I'm giving it a two. Okay, I am going to give it a one. Ooh, oof. Yes, a one. <laughs> I didn't even think what? I could. T- oh. 
because the thing is, I was like, okay, so Hudson Hawk got it too, and this is a lot worse than Hudson Hawk, like a lot worse. So yeah. there's nowhere to go down from there. The only good thing I have to say about it is that it's short. But it doesn't feel short. No, it doesn't. There's so not. much happen like <laughs> happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe maybe it did need some time to breathe. Maybe those t- extra 25 minutes would have made the movie make more sense, give it time to breathe so it's not just going from scene to scene to scene to scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do they sell a director's cut on DVD? No, no one has seen this. Like no one since that test screening has seen the full movie. Ah, oh well. I guess we won't be the exception. Thank you for joining us for The Avengers 1998. You can find us on social media at The Spy Fi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. I'm Christian. And we are The Spy Fi Guys signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.